0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. There's a weight that must be lifted. There's a trophy. Alright, good morning again. Thank you team for the song. Thank you for people, church, for the singing. I love those songs and love listening to guitar. I love listening to L on the keyboard. I just, I love it all. I really am enjoying that and I pray that you are as well. I want to bring this message to you, uh, a brief... Yeah, as soon as I said that, I was like, I, it's like somebody's going to laugh or cringe. I was just talking to my family the other day. By the right time I say brief, I get a little nervous. Uh, but with the Lord's Supper in mind, I'm going to do my very best. This may be the shortest message I've ever preached. And I, again, the joke is, I don't know how to preach any other way. I'm short, and that's just all there is to it. But, temple in need of cleansing. A temple in need of cleansing. Certainly the temple was in need of cleansing then. And so I want us to see that again from the word of God. And so therefore take your Bible and lift it up over your head, hold it out in front of you, hold it up whether you're using a cell phone or an actual hard copy word of God. It's all good. And repeat after me, this is the word of God. I will read it. I will believe it and I will obey it by the grace of God. Thank you. Saying that along with me. I appreciate that so very much. And I pray that you mean that and that you are reading it. I Again, I've not mentioned this in a while, but as we're going through our chronological, or I'm going through chronological reading, and as some of you are, you've mentioned that to me as well. I've just been enjoying so much. Ezekiel is a hard book to get through in, in many ways, meaning that it's just judgment, and it's... it's uh, The wrath of God, the the day of the Lord being poured out as Israel is taken to captivity. But we also see beautiful pictures. And then now, as we get into this week, you're going to get into the book of Daniel. And and, and it's just uh, some of the familiar part of the Bible will come back to you. But I pray that you're learning from that. As I was doing our Sunday school lesson this morning, it was interesting. uh, as I was doing it this week because I'm a week ahead of you and I was reading ahead for In the book of Daniel, and I had read already that same passage, and I had gotten the thought, and I'm going to say it again, I said it in Sunday school this morning about praying with passion was the point of the lesson, but about how if we prayed as if our life depended on it, what a difference that would make. Not just a casual prayer life, but a passionate prayer life. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prayed because, as if their life depended on it because it did. And what if we prayed that way? And so there's just things that I see in the Word of God, and I pray that you're seeing those same things. And I pray that you see this, this morning, a temple in need of cleansing. So let's read again, along with me if you would. beginning in verse 15 and reading through verse 19 in chapter 11. And they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple. Now, again, remember, he had already come into Jerusalem. This is now the third day. He came in on the triumphal entry. He came back, and there was the fig tree. And again, when he came in on the triumphal entry, he surveyed, and he saw all that was going on in Jerusalem. And he wept over the city. One of the gospels tells us. And then he goes home. And then he comes back the second day, and that was where we talked about the fig tree, the withering of the fig tree. And, and, and again, I'm sorry, this is the second day because as this is the same day as the fig tree, but we skipped to the end and covered the fig tree as they went back out. Uh, the fig tree. Or they came in the next day. That fig tree had withered, and so that was a third day. This is the second day. That he's gone in now and he's going to cleanse the temple for the second time there are some scholars that differ on this they say it was only once i believe that jesus cleansed the temple as the book of john tells us in the beginning of his ministry and then also he cleanses it at the end of his earthly ministry and that's what we're reading about here now so jesus came into jerusalem second day of passion week and jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers, and the seats of them that sold doves, and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves?' And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because all the people was astonished at his doctrine, and when even was come, he went out of the city. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us to understand and see what your son, what you were doing through your son in the temple at that time, and that you would help us to apply it to our lives today god give us the grace give us the mercy give us the wisdom that we need give us the strength and the courage to turn to you and allow you to do what you will in our lives in jesus name i pray amen i want you to see first of all a shocking action how many of you like me have heard this section of scripture or heard the story of Jesus cleansing the temple a thousand times. I mean, just, I mean, a bunch of times, right? Raise your hand at me, right? We've all grown up and heard this story. And every time I hear it, I'm, I'm amazed because Jesus, for the most part, when he came, he was the patient, compassionate, loving, kind Lord. And that's what he came to earth the first time for was to be that lamb, not the judge. When he comes back the second time, when he comes back to the earth and puts his foot down again, he's coming as king and judge. The first time he came as servant and lamb and sacrifice payment for our sin, an example for us, yes, but he came to pay our price. When he comes back again, he's coming as righteous, holy judge and king. And so it's kind of although there's times that he did get indignant and there's times that he did call people out, for the most part it was you know whoever's without a st- without sin cast the first stone or whoever when it had the woman at the well who told him she had married a whole bunch of times and and, and and or he told her that she had and he loved her anyway and we see that. And so therefore we see this fit of fury this fit of rage, and it kind of is a a, a shock, at least to me, Jesus getting angry. Now, again, sometimes we'll hear people say, oh, you're a Christian. Christians aren't supposed to get angry. No, the Bible says be angry and sin not, and certainly our Lord was angry about the right things, and he had the right response, and he wasn't harboring that anger as he went on because he still laid down his life and died on the cross. And so, therefore, there's times that we ought to get angry over some things. We ought to get indignant at some things, but the right things in the right way, just as Jesus did. And he said, well, but He overthrew t- money changers and drove people out. And then, in, in one place and in in another place in the beginning, He drove them out with a whip. And that's shocking to me. But I want you to understand that as he clears out the temple, I want you to see a few things in particular that he did and that I want you to see how that applies to us. So as he clears out the temple, as he runs them out, we need to see the picture of what's going on. Because if we just read this and we don't study anything else as far as the Old Testament in the way the temple was set up, or understanding how things were done in the the laws and the traditions and who was allowed in and who was not, we might miss some of this. And so I want you to see uh, what is going on here as Jesus drove out those that bought and sold in the temple. Keep that in mind. Look there if you would. It says in verse 15, "...began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple." And he overthrew, turned over, the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. So therefore, those that bought and sold the temple, those that were the money changers, those that sold doves, and he would not permit any to carry a vessel through the temple. Now, when he says temple, we need to understand, we're not talking about the temple proper, meaning the, the, the holy of holies. Nobody went in there except for uh, the priests at a certain time. Nobody went in. They're not ta- talking about going to the holy place. The temple is the whole. It was acres and acres and acres. In fact, they, they say it was probably 30 some acres of land that encompassed the temple area. All right, So they weren't allowed to carry through, and there was things that were going on. So I want you to see Jesus getting angry, and we ought to get angry about sin. We ought to get angry about particularly those that knew better. These were the worshipers of God, those that were supposed to be the religious leaders, and in some cases those that were supporting the sacrificial ministry offering system those that should have known better the scribes and the priests in particular although he's also scolding the worshipers it says he taught them saying wasn't just the religious leaders it was the people the people that should have known better he's letting them know listen it's not right And there's times that we as Christians and we as a church have been too silent and not said, hey, that's not right. Now, there's a right way to do it. There's a wrong way to do it. There's a right time to do it. There's a wrong time to do it. I understand all that. But there's still times that God, the Holy Spirit, gives us the strength and the words to speak up and say, hold on. One second, and as a by the way, that's one of our jobs as the church. The Holy Spirit is in us, and we are to be a wall, a dam, if you will, to hold back the tide of evil. Because when the rapture happens and the church is taken out in the end times, when, when the tribulation is is taking place, and and I believe pre trib, but we're not going to get into that now when that takes place there will be no holy spirit there will be no believers to stop the evil and that's part of what we are to do is to speak up and do that and jesus was cleansing the temple but let me give you a little bit better context of why he was because sometimes we say well i understand why i think we don't understand all of why and it matters for us today so let me give you next. The brief, or a clear context—not just a shocking action, but a clear context—in the temple area, the complex, there were four courtyards, four courts. There was an outer court; it was called the the court of the Gentiles. Think of the perimeter. Now you had a wall that went around the whole thing, and then inside that wall, before the next wall, was called the court of the Gentiles, and that's where anybody could come through there. Now the Jews were particularly—I'll uh, just use the word prejudice. They—they they thought they were special. They were special. They were called by God, God's special people, God's children, and therefore they were particularly prejudiced. And, there, and and God set up, by the way, in the Old Testament, where the Gentiles were not allowed to come to a certain pass a certain place. But the, those who b- would believe and had heard and wanted to worship the true God of the Israelites, even though they were not Jewish, would come to the temple and they would come to the court of the Gentiles. All right, that was the first outer court. And then you had a court of the women. That was only, so Gentiles could not enter this. But men and women, Jewish, both could enter. The men to go into the next court, but the women could only go into that court. They couldn't go any farther than that court. Even though they were Jewish, they couldn't go into the court of men, which was next. And so you had the second court surrounding the temple was the court of women. And then you would have a court of the Israelites... And you say, was well, not that men and women? Well, no, it was just the men could come to that third court, and then the fourth court was only for the priests. The, 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 the priesthood came in there, and that led directly into the temple proper, or we might think of, and, and if you're making a comparison to today, the church property would be the temple property, their complex, but the church building, if you would, would be the temple proper, and then when you come into the sanctuary, that would be the inner, the holy of holies, so to speak, if we're going to make the comparison there. And so only the chief priests, the only certain times of the year, went into the holy of holies, but in the holy place, in that court, that's where the, the furniture and the, different, the table and the showbread, so forth and so on, were set up, but only the priesthood went in there. So, having said all that, here's what you need to understand. The court of the Gentiles is where this flea market was taking place, this bazaar, this circus, if you will. And what was taking place is that the, the, the religious crowd and those who they employed, if you will, were setting up money-changing areas and selling animals in that court of the Gentiles. And they were doing so under the auspice that this was to benefit people as they came to worship. In other words, you would have Gentiles, and and not just Gentiles, but Jews that would come from other nations or come from other places and would have different kinds of money, and they would change the money to the money that was being used there in the temple, and that's why they had money changers set up. And then also, it was a burden to bring your sacrifice if you were coming from a long ways away. And again, they didn't have transit systems. They didn't have airplanes. They didn't have taxi cabs or Uber or anything else. And so for you to bring your sacrificial animal with you, some would do that, but for some, it was a burden. And so they said, hey, let's be a blessing. And and to a part, it may have started this way, let's have animals that we can sell there for people that are traveling so they don't have to bring a lamb they don't have to bring a dove they don't have to bring cattle with them and therefore they can buy it here and they and and one of the benefits of that was you then the, the, the worshiper didn't have to worry about whether their animal would be qualified or not they had to have a spotless lamb they had to have certain requirements couldn't have blemishes couldn't have defects but you were guaranteed to get an animal a dove a a pigeon whatever there that was qualified and so it was set up you could say under the under the impression of we're going to be a help to people and he said was that really so bad well the fact that he said that they were Thieves tells us, and we know historically, but also he's calling them out for thievery because in the changing of the money, they were charging inordinate sums or fees for the process of changing the money. And they were also charging extra taxes, extra uh, they were overcharging. Ever been there? Were you gone somewhere? Uh, my, my family just went to the Clemson game. Someone gave us some tickets, and we went to the Clemson game, and Landon went and bought a drink, and then he bought one for his mother and, and for his brother and for a buddy that went with him, and I think it was like $35 for these waters or whatever it was or how much ever it was. These extra fees, right? That was the concept of what was going on here. And so they were really robbing the people. Instead of being a blessing, They were they were really hindering and they were cheating people. And that's where we get the fact that they were thieves, drove out both the money changers and those that were selling in the temple and those that were selling the doves because they were cheating people. And so I've heard that all my life and I've studied that and that's true. But what I want you to see is this. And like I said, this is going to be a briefer message as I get into this. I want you to see the context of what was taking place. They were cheating people. They were cheating people in extra usury fees, extra taxes, if you will, overcharging people in the transition from one money to the next, the changing. There was extra fees for that, and they were taking advantage of the people. But the key thing that you need to see is, and we see down in verse 17, and he taught them saying, is it not written, my house shall be called of all nations or for all nations, a house of prayer. Now, I don't know if you're like me or like most people, and I'm guessing you are, whether we want to be honest about it or not. Most of us deep down somewhere have prejudices, have some biases whether we want to call it racism or not, whether we want to call it whatever we want to call it. And the Jews were no different. Again, the Gentiles, by God's design, were only allowed in that outer court. But where were they doing all this changing? Where were they doing all this cheating? Where were they taking up all the space? In the court of the Gentiles. And the reason Jesus said what he said and did what he did was because they were stealing, they were cheating, they were using... But the bottom line was they were using the space meant for prayer for all nations, they were using that to make their profit. And they had things in the temple that should not have been there. And they were therefore discouraging Gentiles in particular, but also other Jews, from coming to worship. That's like saying, okay, this room over here is for the youth. Or this room over here is for the seniors. Pick whatever group you want to pick. And then you fill that full of garbage and trash so there's no room in there for them to use it. That's what they were doing in in, in the temple. They were discouraging people that were coming to seek God, to worship God. And they are saying, we really don't want you here. There's really no room for you here. And if you bother coming here, we're going to take as much advantage of you as we can. And there were things that ought not to have been taking place there. There were things that were evil and wicked, what they were doing there. And Jesus drove them out. Do you understand now why? It was not just the fact that they weren't, and by the way, let me, let me back up for one second. The place where it says he did not permit anybody to carry a vessel through the temple. In other words, people were using the temple prop complex as a shortcut they were carrying their luggage or their baggage or their donkeys and they were cutting through the temple property which was to be used as a place of prayer and worship and now it was full of the smell of donkeys and animals and doves and birds and fowl and not only was there shady deals going on but the smell and the traffic that wasn't there for the purpose that it was meant for. People conducting business that wasn't meant to take place in the temple. The idea of offering a benefit of having animals there wasn't what was so upsetting. It was where they were doing it and how they were doing it. And so Jesus drove them out. And he turned over the tables. And that's why he got is shockingly angry as he did but now i want you to see the application and you may have picked up on this a little bit already but as i was reading this this time i saw something for the first time that i don't remember ever seeing before i made a connection so what's the application for us today does that mean that therefore we shouldn't have these extra things going on at church And there are some people that say, see, we shouldn't have, and and again, I've been one of these in a large part as far as like the yard sales or having bazaars at the church. And I've gotten to where I'm like, you know, the church, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm not real big on doing that, but that's, you know, I'm not going to yell and scream about it. But we're not supposed to have activities at the church other than worship. Is that what we're talking about? And I don't think that's my application for what we're seeing here. There may be some things that we do at church, and that's not what we're supposed to be doing at church, but the application for me is not the temple being the church. And I think the application that God wants me to share with you today is the application is not to make the temple and and then make the application to our church today. Because this church is not the temple. You all understand that, right? The church is not the temple. Look with me, if you would, in 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. Yes, we said that the church building, we can call it God's house. It's not the temple. It is where we meet and we ought to keep it for that purpose. I understand that. That doesn't mean we can't have other things going on here. That's not what I'm trying to get across. But I want you to see in 1 Corinthians Chapter 6, a familiar verse, I hope for many of you, and I want to make this connection. So the temple is not, the application is not the church building. It's not the church property. But in verse 19, in 1 Corinthians 6, it says this, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? And ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Here's my application there are things in our lives that ought not to be there. There are things in our lives, in our living, that God needs to overturn and drive out attitudes actions thoughts biases whatever they might be our body is the temple our body is for the purpose of glorifying and worshiping and praying And serving God, that's where God is glorified. Not just in this structure, but in each of us. And so therefore, my question is, and my answer is, it's true of me. There are things that God needs to come in and root up and overthrow and stir up and drive out of our lives. Our temple needs cleaning. You see, our lives, we often fill with things, and they're not necessarily bad things. Just like the having the animals there, having the ability to change money there, wasn't necessarily a wrong thing in of itself. But they're misplaced things. They're focuses that ought not to be focuses. Our life's purpose, our life's thrust as Christians is to serve God and worship God and glorify God. And there are things in our lives, and they're not bad things, but when we put them in the wrong place, when we give them the wrong priority, when we use them and say, well, see, this is really for to be a blessing to others, but really we know it's really to fit our own agenda, that God needs to come in and drive them out. Because look back and we see again the, the the fig tree wasn't all it should be. And I made the application that our lives can be all that God intends us to be if we allow God to bring out the fruit in our lives. And we're not just looking good, but we actually are producing good. And make the connection. I think there's a reason, not just because in the chronology of what was taking place, that one thing followed the other, but God in his sovereignty and his divine plan had the tree there and then had the temple right after. And he said, you're not being what you are meant to be. And the tree was cursed before, and they saw it after the driving out of the temple. And God said, in order for you to be all that you can be, you've got to let me remove and root up and get rid of all the things that ought not to be there. Is your life a life of prayer? Is my life a life of prayer? Is my life the temple that it ought to be? Or does it need cleaned out? I don't mean just, you know, cleanse as far as God forgive me for my sins, but I mean things that, that God has forgiven me for my sin, but there are things that I put in my life. Things that I add to my life, that I clutter my life with. I'm not saying that you can't have hobbies. I'm not saying that you can't have other things. I'm not saying that your entire life is one just read your Bible and go tell people about Jesus. That's not what I'm trying to say because we need to develop relationships and we glorify God in the way we live. And we're not to be so so uppity and holy that we're no good because we're so stuck in the clouds that we can't relate to people that's not what I'm saying I'm simply saying that there's sometimes we take things and say well this is a good thing for me so that I can relate to somebody else but it's really just so I can do what I want to do and it's misplaced and it needs driven out it needs overturned our lives need shaken up because our lives are meant for God our temple is meant for God. Oh, my friends, do you see the need? Do you, here's the wonderful thing, and I close with this. God will not leave you where you are. If you belong to him, he will not leave you where you are and as you are if you're not right with him. The temple was made for him. He designed it. He told them how to do it. He told David, I'm going to, you can design it, but Solomon's going to build it. And it's meant for this purpose. And you and I were brought into this world and called according to the riches of his grace and his mercy unto salvation for his will and his glory and his purpose. And he would not leave the temple the way it was. The first thing he did when he came on his earthly ministry was straighten it out. And then he came back. The last thing he did before he died on the cross, ultimately, is he straightened it out. And God, in his love, and in his grace, and I'm so glad that God won't leave me in my own mess when I need things straightening out. The Bible says that God chastens his own. And if you belong to him, and there are things in your life that ought not to be there, he will not leave you alone. And if he is leaving you alone, and there are things that ought not to be there, then you need to make a spiritual checkup and make sure you belong to him. Oh, my friends, it is love that says I'm not going to leave you there. I'm not going to leave you in that place. Praise God that he won't. He didn't leave me in my sin. He didn't leave me in the pit of my despair being lost in sin. But he came and he found me. And just like the 99 that he leaves when I stray and when I'm not where I ought to be, he'll go out and he'll find me and he'll bring me back. And he'll do the same for you. Does your temple need cleansing? I think we could all say in some level, one way or another, yes, Lord. And that we would say, instead of like the leaders that got mad and sought to kill him, that we would simply say, Lord, have your way in my life. All to Jesus, I surrender. Not little I surrender. Not some things I surrender. But I surrender all. And then when he roots them out, you don't get mad. And then when he drives them out, you thank him and you praise him for helping you to be all that you can be. Because God made you for the purpose that he has for you. And he's shaping you and he's cleansing you and he's preparing you. Oh, praise his name. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us today. And God, I pray that you'd help us to, to allow your spirit to cleanse our temple. God, yes, there are things in this church that we say maybe they ought not to be here. God, they ought not to be here. Or God, that the things that go on in this church would only be glorifying to you, would only be pointing to you, would only be for ministry for you. But God more importantly than this church building. Is our daily lives. Every day of our lives. God there are things in me. That need rooted out. That need turned over. That need driven out with a whip. And God while well, I do not look forward to the scourging. To the, to the driving out. I look forward to you not leaving me where I'm at. I look forward to your love. I look forward to being more like you. God, help us all. Me first. So cleanse my temple. Remove what doesn't need to be there. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you.